You're listening to an app session from the 2019 Art Conference in Anaheim, California. For more resources to equip you and your local church, visit arcchurches.com. That's like the loudest ovation that I've ever had in my life. If my church would only respond that way, I would preach way better, for sure. How you guys doing? You having a good, good session here at Ark? You want to be closer to me? Well, that's necessary for this, this app session we're about to do right here. Um, well, I, we wanted to just tell a little bit about our story here and, um, and then introduce you to this idea of co-leading, leading together. Um, this app session is called The Advantages and Tensions of Leading Together as Co-Pastors. And uh, there are some amazing advantages and there's also some tensions. How many of you in the room, uh, you're lead pastors here? How many of you are lead pastors? Awesome, awesome. Any, anybody, staff members, uh, volunteers, people that are dreaming about maybe someday moving into that place? So we got a room mostly of lead pastors. Um, we're just honored to be here with you. And um, I want to tell a little bit of our story, and then we'll kind of set this up and go from there. But Jamie and I have been married 16 years. Uh, we've got three kids. They're 14, 11, and 9. And uh, as, as Craig said, we planted our church in Spokane, Washington, Sun City Church, in 2015. So we're getting ready to come up on five-year anniversary in January. And we've really been on this journey of what, what does it look like to lead together as pastors. And actually, Pastor uh, or Mark Clear sent me an email asking me to speak at this app session on the five essentials of church planting. And I wrote him back and said, I don't know what the five essentials are. Can we talk about this? <laughs> So he's like, okay. Uh, so, but we, we wanted to talk about this because uh, one of the things we get the honor to do is we get to be a part of the coaching process as new planters are coming into ARC and going through the intensives. And so we've served. And one thing we've noticed more and more is there's just this growing movement of men and women coming together, wanting to pastor together in ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's some amazing models and people that are doing it well. But we just thought we would add kind of our voice to it as we've been on a journey and doing it together and just wanting to, to just throw out some ideas and talk about it a little bit. But our, our story is that we met in Bible school, both dreaming about being lead pastors someday, thinking that God would call us that way. And so really the foundation of our, even our dating conversations and early uh, engagement and marriage has always been dreaming about ministry together. Yeah. Um, we led small groups. I would lead small groups for guys and Jamie would be lead small groups for gals. And then we found ourselves both being able to be invited to preach through youth ministry days and college ministry days and all of that. And then uh, eventually the door, uh, the door opened for us to come on staff at a church. We served at a, at a church for eight years in Idaho before we launched out to plant Sun City Church. Um, and in that season, we had small kids, and we were in a leadership context that was primarily focused on male leadership, and although they would uh, support female leaders kind of verbally and vocally, that wasn't really the culture of the church as much. So we went through a season where it was really me out in front doing most of the practical ministry and making the decisions and management and preaching most of the time. Uh, and then Jamie really taking a backseat role and more as a, as a mom in that season. Um, but then we had already decided from day one, if we're ever going to plant this church, we're going to do it together. And I just told her, if you're not going to do it with me, I don't want to do it. So we're, we're going to do this together. So we went through this, this season as we launched out to plant the church where she kind of moved from the back to the front again. And uh, that had some amazing advantages and some amazing tensions. Yeah. yeah. And so we want to, we really just want to talk about it with you. It was the hardest year of our life planting the church in the first year, uh, maybe with the only exception of bringing our first child into our family. Like everything was so great and you have your first child and it's like, well, oh, there's some tensions. And uh, same, same with planting the church, you know, like I was so used to being able to call the shots and make the decisions and just brashly, boldly going where I felt like the Lord was calling us to go. And then all of a sudden, as we, we started to do this together, it took us a whole year of mostly me hurting her feelings and having to repent and apologize and <laughs> circle back around and just all kinds of, of challenges to really feel like we hit a rhythm um, of what it looked like to work together. And uh, over the past four years, we've really developed into this place of strength together where we're starting to see the power of this type of leadership set up. Um, and again, it's something that I think in a, in a previous generation would have been um, not 
as widely seen, but now in an up-and-coming generation, as, as the millennial generation is really starting to become lead pastors in, in mass across the nation, uh, we just see more and more and more young couples going like, that's what we want to do. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk about it. Jamie's going to talk about why we're so passionate about it. You know, we're not going to get into all the theology of why we believe in women in ministry and women leadership, because we kind of figured that if you're here in this session, you maybe have settled some of those things for your own life. <laughs> um, but we really believe that the first team that God designed was male and female, and he did that on purpose. And that role that he gave them was to exercise dominion and advance the kingdom of God, and they were to do it together. So, I mean, God could have done it any way he wanted to. He could have set it up where it was really men that were leading and being able to reproduce all on their own or women all on their own. But there had to be a coming together in order to reproduce naturally. And we believe the same thing spiritually, that male and female leadership together is reproducing spiritually, but it's also raising up young disciples in a way that is, is very healthy. There's this assignment that God has given us together. And just like a home needs a mom and a dad, we believe a church needs um, a mom and a dad, both male and female leadership. You know, God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And anytime we look at just male leadership, I think that we're just missing an important voice. We're missing the contribution that women really bring to the conversation. And so this is an important topic, something that we're very passionate about. How do we do this well in a way that honors God, in a way that we're not, you know, trying to wave any kind of flag necessarily? What we're, what we're really wanting to do inside of this situation is, is look at God's design for leadership. What does that look like? And then how do we do that in a way that models it for the next generation? So there's multiplied strength. We believe when we lead side by side, we've really found that. Um, there's increased influence, I believe, in the church. I believe that um, as we're looking out really at the culture around us, women in ministry is a question that people are asking all the time. Where do you stand on this? Why do you believe what you believe about it? But beyond just the theology piece is there's longevity in ministry. I believe when you're going side by side and you're both in it together because it's it's difficult to shoulder the weight of leadership all by yourself. I think it's so important for us to find a place of strength in this place because for both men and women, it really brings health long-term for our lives um, and health for the couple when we're both all in and invested inside of what we're doing. With men and women leading alongside each other together, I believe that we become better leaders. And so we want to talk about four ways that couples lead together. And we kind of just began to break it down and look at, well, you know, what kind of models do we see in this? Because it is different all across the board. So we're going to kind of walk through some of those models that we see. Um, maybe you might recognize yourself inside of one of these models, but we're trying to just bring some language to the conversation inside of these. One of the things we found in starting out dreaming about someday ministry together, entering into youth ministry, where Jamie was primarily focused at being a mom and being a spouse and being home, and then moving into planting the church together, starting from zero with no dream team, no launch team, and you just got to do everything. Uh, Jamie, her first role is she taught herself all of the graphics and web design and mm-hmm. everything, watching YouTube videos and learning from 11-year-old boys, you know, that were <laughs> teaching through tutorials. And, you know, when you start a church, as you get, most of you know, like you just, you just got to figure out everything. Yeah. And, um, and so she did a, a ton of the communications. Uh, but we want to walk through uh, just four models that we've seen when it comes to couples and how they lead together. And this is not an exhaustive list at all, but just as we've made some friends and talked talk to different people that are leading together, here's four different ways that we see it. And our hope is it'll just start to give you some clarity. Um, one of the things that we found to be one of the biggest challenges of co-leading is just a lack of clarity. You kind of yeah. just throw yourself in and kind of one spouse takes a traditional role that they've seen growing up and then the other spouse just starts picking up balls and things that are dropping and I guess I'll just learn things on YouTube and like ah like you just you just go for it um, so you might find yourself not fitting into any of these but here's the ones that we see number one model number one is where one pastor is the spouse and the other or sorry one is the lead pastor and the other is a pastor spouse so typically not involved in ministry leadership may view their primary ministry role to be within the home 
Often the primary ministry would be to the spouse and to the children, or maybe they would serve on a role within the dream team. Maybe they sing on the worship team or serve somewhere. Um, Also, it could be that maybe they have a demanding career outside of the home in providing for the family. And so I would say that's probably your most common traditional setup. One spouse is lead pastor, typically the man, and then the pastor's spouse is at home. Um, and, and, I, and I think that's awesome. And we would totally affirm this model of leadership. You'll see many couples within ARC that lead this way. And so we're not at all in talking about co-leadership saying that this isn't a plan that God could have for your church. We think that's awesome. If this is you, we love you. We're so glad you're here. Um, With that being said, this app session is designed for a couple of these other models. So here's the second thing that we see a lot, graphic number two. And this is where both spouses are pastors, but one spouse has a largely undefined role. So they're not in a defined box on the org chart necessarily with a defined job description. And we would see this really very common. Uh, they, they serve as a co-lead pastor alongside of their spouse. And what we found is that comes with a ton of responsibility. It looks like we've listed a bunch of these on the slide, right? They may be responsible for setting up hospitality or making sure the decor looks right, uh, adjusting culture to fit the vision praying for leaders or some counseling. They're required or expected to attend events like weddings or funerals or birthday parties or bridal showers or all kinds of things. Maybe hosting guest ministry or traveling together, um, catching drop balls from other leaders, speaking from time to time, pet projects such as women's conferences, for for example, Um, dealing with gender-specific issues. This means the most common one that we laugh about is worship team dress code. (laughs) Right? Her job. Um, Sometimes, and what we find is that oftentimes the pastor's spouse, which is most traditionally the woman, feels overwhelmed by all of these undefined things that come as being a co-pastor, but they're not written anywhere. It's not clarified. It's just a part of this co-lead pastor world. You ever ever felt any of that that feeling? Like, my gosh, what are we facing? So that's number two. Here's number three. It's, It's basically combining that but then also, then now they start to fill one of the roles within the org chart. So this would be an example of, well, I'm, I'm also a co-lead pastor, but I serve as a worship pastor. Or I'm a co-lead pastor and I serve as a children's pastor or an executive pastor. Lots of them are set up that way where maybe one spouse is kind of your visionary communicator, leader developer, and then the other spouse runs the church on an executive level. Um, there would be many ways that that could be set up. In this model, the pastor spouse typically carries the job description as defined in the role as well as a lot of the other undefined stuff from model two. And what we found in our journey as we planted our church and our church began to grow to be several hundred is Jamie's job description as the communications pastor of our church was growing as our church was growing. But what was also growing was all of that undefined stuff that came upon her as a co-lead pastor. And I remember even just in the last couple of years sitting down with her and in my own um, short-sightedness, starting to get a little bit frustrated, like, are you just not passionate about graphics and communication anymore? Are you, like, why aren't you putting the effort that we had at the beginning of planting the church? And I really started to question some of what was going on. And then through some in-depth, tension-filled conversations, I, I, I had, like, this awakening, like, the role of communications was growing, but also the co-lead pastor role was growing. And that was a whole role I really hadn't considered the weight that was coming on her from both sides of those. So what we did, one of our overseen elders, Pastor Mark Estes, came into town and he helped us reorganize our org chart. And uh, we, we, we carved out for us what's now model number four. He put this up there. This is where both lead pastors, uh, both spouses are lead pastors, and they built the org chart to reflect that. So in this model, each spouse would oversee different departments within the church. This is where we're at now. So I oversee uh, three direct reports under me. I oversee the operations folks and all of our outreach and then all of our weekend experiences. While Jamie oversees all of our next gen, so kids all the way through college. And she also oversees all of the small groups and connections, first impressions, pastoral. And then she has, you know, executive level leaders that report to her, under her. And I have those as well. So we're, we're co-leading, co-managing in this way. And uh, we've found that to be massively helpful in our leadership. So what we want to do for the rest of the time, and just 
Does this helpful at all for anybody? Kind of seeing that. But before us, before we started to, to draw it out clearly, we just found ourselves in this ambiguous place of we just know we're in it together. And I would add that we're not at all trying to say that Model 4 is the model for everyone. I think every situation is different. I think it just brings language to understand, well, what model are we? Even as we were talking about Model 3, um, there are just some people that that works best, but the gift mix, maybe the calling of God, sometimes um, the leadership that they are stepping into outside of the local church even requires a level, uh, a Model 3 type of um, co-leadership example. And so it's just helpful to understand where do we fit into this? What does it look like? The more defined that you make it, it just erases some of that overwhelmed kind of feelings. And it just helps break down some of the tension that sometimes can be there as you're leading together. So we want to get into some of the benefits. We're going to talk about benefits. We're going to talk about tensions. And then we're going to just end with some practical, some how-tos. And I want to go as quick as we can on this. We we have so many points to say, sadly. We, we know that it's hard to remember as many points as we have, but um, wanted, wanted to just give as much as we could to you. Uh, if you do want to download this presentation and get as many of the notes as you can, if you can't catch them as fast as we go, you can go to wecolead.com and just put in your email. They'll send you an email right back with the slide deck, and so that's, that's just there for you. But let's talk about some benefits of co-leadership. The first obvious benefit to us as we thought about it is sustainability. And Jamie already quoted it. It's not good for man to be alone. And, and we actually think that co-leadership, husband and wife leading together, is a much more sustainable model for leadership in the long run. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, then the other person can reach out and help, but someone who it falls while they're alone is in real trouble, New Living Translation says. And I just look at the burnout rate of pastors in our generation. I look at moral failure taking place as churches are getting larger and the pressure just gets greater and greater. And for us, we just get this sense that there's a greater need, maybe more now than ever, for more co-leadership to take place. And churches didn't always grow to be the size that they grow to today. You go back in church history, a large church was 200 people. And at that time, maybe having just one pastor at the top was sufficient. But now as we're seeing churches grow and grow and grow, maybe we need to have a new paradigm on what it looks like to lead together. Um, and so I think sustainability is a, is a great argument for co-leadership. The second one would be that you have both gender perspectives in at the leadership table. And, and more and more companies are doing research on the fact that it really leads to better decision making when you have the perspective that both male and female leadership brings to whatever it is you're deciding. It also shows that um, female leadership tends to bring attention to holistic living, which is really important for not just us personally, but also for the culture and the community that we're leading. Um, also, the importance of empathy. There's, there's gifts that God's given both genders. And when you see those operating in the church, then there's attention given to some of these things that can sometimes just be overlooked. There's also um, a need for collaboration and teamwork that's really elevated whenever you see both genders operating inside of that role. So overall, we look at female leadership being present in, in the church community is just leading to a healthier culture in our teams. The third one might be more obvious too, both genders speaking into your church. So we found as we share the pulpit, it's so valuable for our people to hear from a male perspective and a female perspective, really on all issues when it comes to series that we're designing, but especially when you start talking about stuff like parenting and you don't only have a male voice, you have a female voice or marriage. Um, It's actually very powerful when we do series and talk about sex and sexuality to have that come from a female perspective as well as a male perspective. And we can't even tell you how often people come up and go, man, we're just so thankful that you had somebody to speak on this other than you. Like, thank you for having her share her voice and what she says. Um, Through your leadership teams and and creating culture, uh, male and female together just wonders for your culture and your church. When you see both male and female leadership, then you're really modeling leadership for both genders. And I just can't even say enough of what this does for our young girls that are being raised in the house, for them to be able to watch someone in a leadership position and understand that their gifts and the call of God on their life is really valuable because it lifts the lid on what is possible for them. They begin to watch somebody that's operating in a leadership position and they believe that I can do this too. And what what we believe 
um, especially more than ever, um, is we're looking at over half of the church is women and the leadership potential that's available. God's called us to finish the Great Commission and all of these gifts that are not really being realized to the potential. Can we just even imagine a generation growing up and being able to say, whatever God's gifted me, whatever God's called me to, I could step into that. I could, I could run with this. And it puts an emphasis on the Great Commission and on the mission of the church. It's not about male or female. It's really about us coming together to do what it is that God has called us to do. Um, and they begin to watch us preferring one each, another and honoring one another. And we, we look at what's been going on in our culture at large and, you know, the Me Too conversation and, and really just so much of dishonoring. I think even sometimes you get into a place on either side where it's everyone's casting stones and the church should be the place that we are modeling for the rest of culture. This is what it looks like to honor the gift and call of God in one another. So it's not just male leadership. It's not just female leadership. It's really both of us coming together and and painting this picture of submitting and honoring and elevating the other person. We also think that co-leadership, husband and wife, is a huge testimony to a lost world. And yeah. I've really been surprised, as much as you receive pushback from the religious world to have husbands and wife leave together, actually from the lost world, um, not leading this way is, is getting to the point where it's outright offensive to the world. There, there's an expectation of gender equality and diversity. There's an expectation of racial diversity. Like all of that is an expectation for anybody that has worked in any level of executive leadership in, in the world. So when they come to the church and they find only one gender leading, there's an offense there a lot of the time. I was recently reaching out to a CEO in our city and not a Christian at all. We had a long conversation. I'm just trying to witness to him. And he, he, um, he agreed to come, come to the church and uh, he, he's with me during worship. He sat up in the front and I'm just kind of sharing with him. And I just asked him, man, like, what's the one thing that you would say really has, has kept you from putting your faith in Jesus? Like, what's, what's your issue? And he said, honestly, it's just the way that, um, way that your religion treats women. I, I just I just can't be a part of a religion. And then that day, actually, Jamie was scheduled to preach, and so she got up and brought it. And he he was so impacted to watch a woman handle the the Bible and teach theology and call people to faith. He was really inspired. Um, and, and I would say his case is not an exception at all. That's that's really common. There's a whole a whole generation looking at the church and wondering if we're fading into further and further irrelevance. So this kind of leadership does, it gives you a whole different testimony to the lost world. And then, you know, I mentioned this a little bit, but really there's a stewardship of the gifts of God in both genders because we are looking at more than half of the body of Christ. And and the leadership that Jesus endorsed was bold leadership. When you look at the the parable of the talents and and being able to steward everything that was given, he, he commended the servants who took the risks who were willing to invest the talents that they've been given, and then they multiplied them. And really, we've come to a place inside of our leadership where we don't want to be the kind of people who just play it safe inside of our leadership. Well, you know, I didn't know if that was allowed for me to be able to do. I didn't know how much you really wanted me involved. And I've had to ask myself those questions. As a female leader, it's one of the questions we get all of the time in Next Steps. People always want to ask us, well, you know, why do you you believe what you do about this. You know, people will get up and walk out when I'm the one preaching. There is, there is just pushback when it comes to it. But I've had to be able to dig into the word of God on my own and say, you know what, I believe I'm going to stand before God someday and I'm going to be held accountable for the gifts that he's given me. And it's not just gifts for me. I have a gift of leadership. I have gifts that he has entrusted in me. And someday I'm going to be held accountable for them. And I want to just be bold about it. And I want to lead our church in that same place. All of these young women, I don't want to lose the leadership gift of our young women to the corporate world because we're not allowing them to lead in the church. So they find more open doors in the community than they do inside of our church. And the fields, they're white, the laborers are few. And I'm just excited about the young women I see being raised up who believe God's entrusted me for a reason and my voice is valuable. It's important for the body of Christ. You're number seven. Oh, I'm, I'm going again on this one. Both genders, they sharpen and refine each other. So we're called to, we're called to help each other out. And honestly, like the gift of God that um, my husband is to me inside of my leadership, and I know that I am to him, 
there's just like you get it at a deep level. So what you're able to speak to is just different from anybody else, even on our team, because you're in the trenches, you're passionate about it, you've sacrificed for it. And because of that, there's a sharpening that takes place between us that's different from what anybody else can provide. And the best advice comes from the people that you trust the most. And there's no one I trust more than him. There's no one you trust more than me in his life. And so when we're able to step into that place of co-leading together, we're able to sharpen each other inside of that place um, that nobody else can really even touch. It also, um, it's an environment, co-leadership environment that forces us out of our comfort zones because it's easy to get around kind of your own gender and there's just similarities you feel like you know you kind of get each other and so then it's easy to kind of get comfortable in that space and honestly it's it's uncomfortable to step into kind of maybe the guy's world or from him maybe to see it from the female perspective because all of a sudden you're having to consider the way that you come across not just to your own gender but the way that you come across to a mixed audience the way that you're leading, it, it can, it, cre- it creates discomfort in you, but it's also very stretching for your leadership to be able to have both genders sharpening and refining those gifts that God's given us. Number eight, it brings strength to your marriage. And we're going to talk about the tension points that come to your marriage here in a second. But there, there's definitely a strength that comes to your marriage. Um, there's this sense of we're called to do this together and we're in it together. And I remember growing up and hearing pastors very common. You'll still hear hear this all the time. Like there's this question of, do you love me or do you love the church? Do you love me more? Do you love the church more? And I can just tell you in our world of leading together since we've planted Sun City Church, that hasn't even been a conversation because we're doing this together. There is no tension between the church and the marriage because the marriage sits right here and the church is built on the strength and health of the marriage. Yeah. And it like it requires us to focus on our marriage. And so it actually does bring a strength to it. We we relate to each other much deeper because we both get it. Yeah. Like she, she, I'm not coming home and explaining, well, you, you don't understand what it's like to sit in those meetings or have to lead that or prep a sermon. Da, da, da. Like sh- she gets it because she leads it together with me. Yeah. And that brings us together as a couple. It's awesome. We love it. It brings a strength to the marriage. And then number nine, it brings a sense of partnership into every area of life. So what I've found is that for me is as Jamie leads with me in the church, then I feel even more compelled to lead with her at home. Like as she brings her best all day together in the office, I, I, I no longer feel like, well, I'm the one that goes and does the work. And now you just take care of the home. I'm just going to sit home. You wash the dishes. You take care. Like because she's bringing her a game at work, I, I just... It's natural. There's something inside me that is forced to reciprocate, right? Which I wanted to believe was there before. <laughs> but the truth is it wasn't. Like it, it called me to a place of, of, of higher standards as a husband, as a father, as a homekeeper. Like all of those other things, they have improved since we're leading together in the church, which is awesome. Um, we're, we just love it because we're in all of it together. We're, we've, got, we've got a partnership going. Yeah. Finally, on the advantages, it does, it builds consistency in our leadership culture. When one's up, the other one, um, or when one is down, the other one is typically up. And that's, that's so helpful is you have someone to kind of pull you up out of whatever it is um, that you're in. And like Danny mentioned, someone else gets it. There's not a place of one or the other kind of just being so focused on church that you kind of forget about it because you are, you're holding each other in check when it comes to that. So let's get into the challenges then um, that we face, the tensions, the tensions that we face as co-leaders. And here's the first one is finding and defining your role as a co-leader. So it's easy as a woman leader to step into this place of going like, okay, I'm going to co-lead with my husband. And now you're comparing yourself with other women leaders. And I think especially because this isn't maybe a widely held conversation. Um, it was one of the reasons we were so passionate to have it is because we didn't have a ton of people to talk to about this is you just are trying to figure it out for yourself. You're kind of waiting in there and going like, what does this look like? And it's easy to kind of get in the place of comparing yourself with other female leaders. What does it look like? Um, there's a tendency to pick up all the drop balls instead of discovering your own unique strengths. And we see this a lot with um, church planters that are getting into it together. They're passionate about we want to co-lead together. But what that 
turns into a lot of times is she'll stop, start just picking up everything that's dropped and maybe not focusing on like, well, what has God actually called me to inside of this leadership realm? It's also sometimes easier to defer hard tasks to male leadership. And I was doing this for a while, honestly, is it was just easy to, you know, even though I was kind of picking up all the balls and running in that, that place, it was also easier whenever it came to really difficult things to go like, well, you know what, it's really, it's really your responsibility. So if somebody needs to have like a confrontational conversation, <laughs> um, like we, when I, I first, um, I, a lot of times, honestly, it would just be if there was a confrontational conversation that needed to happen, I would just say like, you, you go have that conversation. When I stepped into the role of being over our connections, then all of a sudden I couldn't pass the buck anymore. I am the leader. So there was a, a moral issue like pretty quickly. And it was with a guy on the team. And it was my responsibility then to figure out who's going to go and sit down and have the conversation with him. And we did. We had another male leader step in. We like operated in the realm of team. We had another male leader come sit down, have that conversation, and kind of do the investigative work to figure out what was really going on. But then I'm overseeing the whole process of like, what, what's it going to take for us to see restoration inside of this process, setting up those, those next meetings. And it wasn't something I would have been a part of previously. Honestly, it was because now my role was defined and the buck mass stops with me in that place that I couldn't go like, you go do it. <laughs> it, had, it had to be me that actually handled the conversation. The second thing <laughs> is it's easy to get into a place, I think, with co-leadership that you're comparing yourself to your spouse. And um, w when I've had this conversation about female leadership, honestly, throughout the church culture, Women typically receive less development as leaders, less resources, less connection, less opportunity. So typically females stepping into a leadership role feel insecure, not just the normal insecure that everyone else feels, but there's a place of feeling like I'm behind the ball. Especially like for me, I had stepped out of it, like Danny mentioned in our story, for a while as I was kind of taking care of our kids. And even though I'd kind of jump in here and there, Really, he was growing in all of his leadership skills while I was at home running around chasing children. And then you know, we planted the church, and he's like, I want you leading here with me. And all the skills that he learned in communication and running teams and, and all the different things that you don't necessarily think about, I hadn't been growing in those. And it was easy to compare myself to him. Well, you just seem to know what to do in this situation. You run a meeting way better than I do. You're navigating these counseling situations. And, and so it was just important for me to just own my own leadership in that space. It's also harder sometimes as a female leader to feel like you're being judged on your gender. Because a lot of times the opportunities are less. So you feel like, you know, if you're being graded on a curve, he has all these opportunities maybe to lead and you have the one shot and all of this, the grade is gonna be like on that one time. So you better head it out of the ballpark because that's, that's your shot. Um, and so it can bring a lot of insecurity in that space. There's also just this natural place of he's expected to be the leader. So when we step into a situation, typically everyone's looking to him because he's the guy and they're not necessarily looking at me as the female expecting me to be a leader. So all of those things can create this tension for us as female leaders on comparing ourselves to our spouse. Number three, navigating conflict and difference of vision. This might be the most obvious one. Like if you have two people at the top of the organization, it leads to two different ideas, can lead to two different senses of vision or direction when it comes to not necessarily the whole church, but like every project, you know, and this would be so common for us where we would have, you know, met together, designed a whole series I would have a vision in my head for what the graphics should look like. She would come back with a whole different idea. I'd be like, ew. Ugh. And then she'd be like, mm. you know, like, like, now we've got conflict and there's a tension there. And we have to learn, you know, how, how do we navigate this conflict? If I, if I think it should be this way and you think it should be that way, who submits to who and when and why? And it, it took us a good year of lots of tension and challenge for that whole first year of church planting to really work out um, me treating her the same with the same level of kindness and respect that I would treat anybody else on our team. Uh, and it's just easy when you're working with your spouse to just get so short or abrupt or direct. 
and I never would treat anybody else like that. It's just since it's you, I'll just say what I think. And um, but but honestly, you hurt the people the most that you're closest to. Yeah. And, and so we found that was a huge huge challenge. I also had this mindset when it came to the idea of unity, like we had to think the same about every single issue. We had to believe it the same, see it the same, and that's what unity was. And what I've learned over the past couple years of co-leading is uh, God actually allows for and appreciates different perspectives. And uh, just had a counselor instruct us a little bit on this. He says, hey, if you only have, if you have total unity, you're basically a cyclops. You've got like one eye on the center of your forehead and you only see one. But when you have, when you have two eyes, it's actually what brings depth perception. And so don't try to force Cyclops vision, like allow for depth perception in your leadership. And when we, when we started to unpack that with each other in meetings and in, in leadership, like it, it was so helpful. I can have a different perception. You can have a different perspective. And that gives us the ability to see farther and different and more nuanced than we could have ever seen before. So navigating conflicts is a huge challenge. Here's the fourth one. It can put a stress on the home life. So I know I've talked about how it can be a benefit to the home life, but it can also be stressful. Um, both spouses have to live strong at home in order to empower both spouses to live strong in the church life. Yeah. Like you, you've got to step it up. Um, and you might need to even consider some additional support. So like you might need to consider what you're going to do with child care if both spouses are going to pour in strong to the local church. Um, And and I do think that perhaps our children and children of pastors who co-lead are probably aware of more of the pressure and the challenge of church life, where you might be able to shield that if it's only one spouse, but together when we're home and we do our best not to allow our kids to see that or talk about inappropriate things. But the fact that we're in it together all the time, I think the kids at home, they do feel some more of that pressure. That's just a reality that we have to face. Yes. Number five is the need to change hats because the reality is you are a spouse and then you are also co-leading and that's different roles. So there's the question in your mind, when am I the lead pastor and when am I the wife? Because the conversations are different in that space. Sometimes you're looking to strategize with each other and it's like the leadership role. Sometimes you're looking for someone to kind of vent to, right? And you you don't really want them to be the co-leader that's like calling you on something. You're better than this. (laughs) You you just want them to listen. You just want them to empathize a little bit. And so there is, there's a need to change hats sometimes and understand when you just want someone to encourage you and be like, no, you can do it. And then, you know, when you like put on the leadership hat and go, but practically, what does that look like? Like we can't just dream about it. We have to flesh it out. What is, what is that going to look like in our life? There's, there's places in our life where the leadership hats, they have to come off and we're just Danny and Jamie. We're just husband and wife. We're not co-leading together. We're just enjoying life together. Number six, it can create an imbalance of power in your church. Yeah. If both husband and wife are lead pastors and most of you in the room are lead pastors. And so one of the big warnings that I would give you as couples who either co-lead or are looking into co-leadership, you really have to consider your meeting dynamics because when you have both at the table strongly saying similar things, that, that puts a huge, it just puts a huge force behind everything you say like as strong as you would be with one lead pastor which is already strong now you have another one with that kind of authority saying it again so what it requires is real team that you listen to and consider their opinions and ideas it requires real elders around you it requires overseers that will have challenging hard conversations like you you cannot surround yourself with a whole bunch of yes men which we don't recommend Uh, even for just single pastors, but even more so when you put two people in power that are married to each other and ultimately committed to each other, even beyond the church. Like if the church goes down and Sun City closes, like we're still in this together. So that level of commitment can create an imbalance of power. And I think it's irresponsible not to think through that and consider it in your church plant. Like you've got to set up appropriate accountability and systems for checks and balances. Um, Number seven is temptation to allow personal challenges to show up at work. Anybody ever have this happen? Um, so like things are, are going bad at home and the rest of your staff 
They feel it. Uh, you, you do need to maintain a level of professionalism that you'd want from your staff. Whatever you'd want from them, you want to model that at home. Or maybe if you're a church planter and don't have staff yet, just think someday staff, what would I want from them and how are we living like that now? Uh, if we get into a fight at home, my feelings don't always disappear by the time we're in a creative meeting together at 9 a.m. So I've got to deal with that. I've got to think through that. How am I going to carry myself in light of that truth? And on the opposite side, temptation is to allow work to show up at home. And both of your world then revolves around the church. And you have to be very strategic and intentional about having conversations that aren't just about church. And when someone hurts you, man, and you would know this, right? They actually offend your spouse even more. So it's really easy to let that affect the home life. In fact, anytime somebody kind of gets in that conversation with us about women in ministry, I'm always trying to like be the one that has the conversation because, you know, Danny can have lots of peaceful conversations with people about all kinds of other topics. Not that one. (laughs) That one, he just will go head to head with them on it. And so it is important to be able to place some boundaries inside of your life because also church schedule, it can affect home life. You're both gone. It's not like one is there and the other one is not. If you're both co-leading, a lot of times it's like meetings are taking place. Both of you are out of the home. And so you have to be even more intentional about home life and what does that look like for your kids? Number nine is just practical, but the leadership gap is large if vacated. So if you go on vacation as a lead pastor couple, that's two people on vacation, or if there ever needs to be a removal of the lead pastor, you're talking about removing two lead pastors. That's a big amount of weight that's going to come upon someone or a team or something. So just something to consider. And lastly, even beyond um, a theological level, it's just unusual. So a lot of people have built in negativity about it. And you just have to, as I think a female leader, but even as a, as a, a male leader who is co-leading with their spouse, you just have to brace yourself for the things that people are going to say in the comments that they are going to bring up. There's, there are just people that don't want to follow a woman. And that's both male and females. That Sometimes females are, are the loudest even about that. Um, There's people that have a theological conviction against it, people that we respect that fall on a different side when they're looking at Scripture and they have come to a different conclusion than we have. And we want to be able to graciously be able to say, like, you know what, we love you. Um, This is where we stand on these issues. Um, There's a lot of people that make assumptions based on other female leaders that they know. I think this is one of the most difficult for me is that they've had an experience with another female leader, and so then they just kind of have a bias, all female leaders preach like this, all female leaders speak like this, all female leaders make decisions like this. And that's one of the most difficult ones, I think, for me, is, is kind of being put in a box as far as what that looks like. Oh, how to be successful in co-leadership. We're going to have to go through this. I think Rapid fire, rapid, lightning round. Yeah, well, okay, how to be successful in co-leadership. We're just going to quickly, is number one, address insecurity, I think, on both sides of it. But I would say specifically for women is you, you really have to, you have to just own that if God called you to this space, he called you to this space. Come on. And it's important that you just take your seat at the table, you lend your voice, you don't just hold back. But they, it's important that you're there for all the reasons that we already listed, but also for a whole generation that's following you. So this is just practical, how to be successful leading together. Um, develop a conviction that the benefits outweigh the challenges. So you just got to decide in your heart, we're going to do this together. I'm going to make room for my spouse. I am not going to give in to nepotism. I'm not going to engage in tokenism. I'm, it might cause me to go slower, but I'm going to be patient and I'm going to handle people's weird complaints and I'm going to have the challenging theological conversations and I'm going to field negative comments and misconceptions with grace. It's going to possibly slow us down, uh, but we believe that we're actually going to go farther and be in a place of greater impact over the long term. Like we talked about sustainability like we believe the impact is greater together so we're going to have to manage and overcome the challenges in order to receive what's best on the other side yeah clearly define leadership roles and I think for every season of life because that might change for a female leader there might be a season where you are spending more time at home or you have a job outside of um, church 
world and you just have to define what does it look like for me in my season and what what i wish somebody would have told me kind of early on is that you can be investing in your leadership at whatever season you're in so, so even if you know this season you're focused more on being home with the kids and you know you're leading where you can just invest in growing in your leadership skills in that season because there'll come a day where your kids are old enough and you'll want to have been able to grow in your leadership so that you can step into all that God ha- has for you in that next season. Um, own your own leadership development. This is like all the things I mentioned about women leaders haven't received as much resources, mentoring, connections, um, coaching, opportunity. Is you have to just, I think as a female leader, own, I am going to grow in my leadership. I'm not just going to try to kind of... Um, worm my way into a place, I'm going to like own the fact that there's places I just am underdeveloped in and I'm going to grow in those. And I think that's so important for us as female leaders is we don't just like, well, this is just what it looks like for my gender. Is There's honestly just like a skill set required for leaders regardless male or female and we all have to grow in that place and just own our own leadership development in order to be able to... Um, Enable to lead inside of that space. So not bailing each other out. I think that's one of the things that we've done. And I really appreciate, honestly, for me, sometimes Danny will just like throw me the ball and I feel like I'm not ready for it. And it, sometimes it'll be kind of even frustrating. But I'm so appreciative that he believes in my leadership and that he is willing to take a risk on me and he's not just bailing me out and kind of stepping in when maybe I'm not quite ready for it. So this one's practical. Just give adequate time to meet with each other. So a meeting with your spouse is a business meeting. Pastor John John taught me this. Like you got to, even if it's over lunch, come on somebody. Like you, you have to get enough time together to talk home life, schedule kids, world, all of the home stuff and all of the church stuff. So make sure you carve out meetings with each other. We do several meetings together yeah. a week. Some are focused on home. Some are focused on church stuff. And then uh, obviously have a clear process of how you're going to resolve the conflict or the double vision. Like if I want to go in one direction and she's going to go another direction, how do we come back into a place of unity? How do we get on the same page? Uh, I highly recommend pastors that lead together get a counselor. Uh, We started seeing a counselor this last year, thanks to my good friend Carrie's uh, recommendation and and accountability, texting me the follow-up text, hey man, did you start meeting with her or what? Um, She's been so helpful for us to process our co-leadership and speak into our life, get a counselor, have a pastor. If it comes down to it, there needs to be somebody above you that you're able to say like, hey, we just, we're on different pages, help us walk through this. There needs to be a person, a leader in your life, a pastor, and then also a team of leaders around you that you respect and listen to. Um, so important. Have a process. Good. Invest in your home life. So take off the leadership hat, plan times for that. Have friendships with people um, who you're not the lead pastor in their life. You're, they're peer type relationships. Make the connections with other female leaders. And I think that I, it can feel very isolating for female leaders sometimes because you're trying to navigate like where are the people who are passionate about what I'm passionate about I want to try to find those connections and I just say do whatever you can to make that happen lately I've been meeting with a, a bunch of women who were using technology honestly to overcome some of the challenges of being able to just only connect at conferences or trying to figure out childcare or all the things that we face and be able to just have a tribe of people where you're investing in your home life because you're investing in you you're investing in your emotional health and, and who you are as a person. You want to have a community of people who get what it's like to co-lead. They get the challenges of it. Um, you also want to invest in childcare, house cleaning, or whatever it takes. If you are just investing all this time in the church, you also want to take into thought and consideration, well, how do I balance out all these other things that come with just normal life so that I can be healthy all around and I'm just not leading stress? Number eight, be vigilant against nepotism and tokenism. So there just needs to be an accountability for areas that require growth in your life. And this is where I think other female leaders are honestly so helpful. I don't think you want to put all the pressure on your spouse to try to say like, hey, what do you think I need to grow in inside of your leadership? Even though I think that that can be very helpful. I think getting around other women leaders who can help you grow and there's a mentorship kind of relationship is going to actually be the most beneficial. And there just needs to be a patience for each other and for yourself to grow into the leader that God's called you to be. This is not going to happen overnight. There's places that you need to grow inside of your ability to communicate or lead a team or whatever it is. Um, And you just want to be able to um, give yourself time to do that and not expect it to happen right away. 
just on that point too, it, it is so important that um, you as a co-lead pastor actually have the leadership capacity and ability to lead in that space and receive a title like that. That's why we're talking about nepotism. Like we don't think you should co-lead just because you happen to be married and you're not going to be pastors. Um, And when pastors do that, they give titles to people that aren't qualified to lead. They actually hurt a movement that I think God is trying to do in the nation when it comes to pastors leading together, husband and wife. So you have to remain vigilant against it. You have to work hard. Um, last thought for me, last couple thoughts here is embrace the humility necessary to co-lead. So you just cannot do this without humility. And I think it's really good for my humility to lead alongside my spouse. God's always refining me. Uh, I need you and I'm not going to give up on you and I'm better with you and you're, you're better at this than me. Every time Jamie talks or preaches, like everyone tells me how much better she is than me <laughs> every single time. And I just, I just take that. I mean, I was just preaching for Nick and Carrie this weekend, and I literally had a girl come up in the parking lot. We're coming back in, and she asked a question that seemingly was to both of us, and I started to answer, and she cut me off. She's like, no, 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 not you. You. <laughs> I want to know what you say. Like, and that's so good for my humility as a lead pastor. It's awesome. Um, I can plant a new church, but I am not going to start over on my marriage. Like, ARC will refund me, probably. I've paid back my first loan. They'd probably let me start again. But, like, I, I only get one of these. And so that, that's, we're going to be humble and serve one another. And, uh, honestly, it shapes me to be more like Jesus. And the last thing that we would just say with co-leading, and then we want to do some Q&A, is connect with others who are co-leading. Yeah. And um, we, we're really excited to uh, kind of launch this. But we have decided to start a community uh, around just some resources and some encouragement and some connection for couples who feel specifically called to co-lead. So uh, we work together with a team from Yellow Box and are putting together uh, just a website, wecolead.com. And really, it's a place for some resources, some information, but we're hoping to be like a tribe, like who's in on learning from each other and encouraging one another and working through the tensions and the challenges. Obviously, this is really a brief overview of of a lot of different stuff, and that's because so much of it is yet to be explored and figured out, and we're definitely not the experts at all. All we really wanted to do in this app session is say, hey, there needs to be a conversation about this. And we'd love to have it with you guys. So if, if you want to be a part of that, we would just we would so love to connect with you. You could jump on that website, wecolead.com, and uh, we'll connect with you and start start the conversation together. It'll be a whole lot of fun. Who's got questions? Let's do some QA before time to go. Pastor Carrie. Probably. Can you can yes. you throw that over? They said yes. I have like five. I'll do one. <laughs> First, I want to say thank you. Just thanks for your passion for this, yeah. and the content is brilliant. So, I mean, I'm just grateful. I know that this is more than just an app session for you, so I'm yeah. grateful. Uh, I was just thinking through a couple of filters, but one I thought, uh, with the pressures of ministry and life constantly mounting, how have you guys created healthy boundaries when it comes to conflict between the two of you? That seems to be the biggest challenge for me and my marriage and co-leading. It's like, when the conflict is here, and I, we haven't found the great, there's not a mix of home life ends here, church life begins there. It's just all together. So what are some boundaries? Or how do you handle that conflict personally? It's so good. I'm going to go. I think um, we're still on the journey of that. For us, terminology has been huge in this last season of figuring out how to how to bring up issues in a way that is maybe non-aggressive and isn't putting the other person on the defense. And so we're, we're constantly even asking our, each other, like, so I have this thing I would really like to talk about. How do I do this in a way that's not escalating it more than it needs to be? I, I want to be able to figure this out and fight for the marriage and fight for co-leadership and not fight you <laughs> in the process. And so a lot of times just the way that the conversation is introed will either start that snowball going in one direction or not. And so we've been trying to learn great terminology in that. Um, Honestly, we've been meeting with some other people that have been even helping us in that, of talking about, like, here's how to language of, I've noticed this, I'd prefer this. And all of that is something that we're we're learning, um, but that's helping a lot. And then what's, what's the resolution we're moving towards? And we've always been the kind of people that, like, we're going to argue and fight or whatever, but we're going to come out winning on the other side of it. So we haven't actually finished the 
the conflict, whatever it is, until we can get to the point where we've learned something from it. We're in better unity because of it. And so what is, what is the point when we finally cross that line and it's no longer like us, like me against you, but we've now crossed the line and we get it at a deeper level and we're, we're in deeper unity than we were before and defining what that looks like so that we can make sure that we are hitting that win. I, I think the, the really obvious dynamic in it is that at church, our staff can feel tension if we're in a fight, just like at home where our kids can feel the tension in a fight. And it is super challenging to not let a home fight come to church or a church fight come home. Um, but we do treat both of those groups of people. So our staff at work and our kids at home with a, a high amount of honor and respect. And we're trying to do everything we can not to bring tension into the staff meetings or the creative meetings or whatever. And we're, not, we're trying to not bring stuff home to the kids. I think at some level, they, you know, they're intuitive and they can probably sense it. But we're trying to put resolution conversations until we can get alone for a meeting at work or we can get alone late at night after the kids in bed at home. Like, let's resolve things here. So by the time we show up to staff meeting tomorrow, we can lead together with strength. And it's an atmosphere that everyone enjoys to be a part of. Like, no one wants to be in a staff meeting when you guys are in a fight. <laughs> Boo. Like, so, like, let's work hard to get on the same page and bring a united front into the staff as best we can. But as you know, sometimes it just, like, pops up in the middle and do each other the best as we can to respect as if we would any other staff member. Great. That's good. Thank you, guys. Uh, quick question for you guys. So what do you do practically when you both reach an impasse regarding a decision and you have people waiting for how things yeah. are going to proceed? What, like, what does that look like practically? Yeah. Like not, okay, I mean, like, just give us some nuts yeah. and bolts. Like, is there a final voice, a final decision? Yeah. Have you guys figured that out? Like, help us out with that. Yeah, so good. <coughs> so if we do hit an impasse, uh, we we kind of have a step by step process. We usually go through a season of prayer and thinking and reconsideration. I would say ninety percent of the time that resolves whatever impasse there was. Just taking a step back and trying to prefer the other person and consider it from their perspective. If if we're still at an impasse, we'll usually go out and research and read. So what are other pastors doing? What's the best practices in this area? What can we do to learn and go to a new place? And then after that point, we'll involve overseers and team. Like if we're at an impasse at some point, we have to bring in voices to help mediate. And uh, it very rarely would get to that place, uh, but we're, we're more than willing to do that. And there's been, there's been times when it does. And that would be on bigger conflict kind of issues. If we're talking about smaller issues of like, I really want to go this direction on the sermon series. He wants to go a different direction on the sermon series. That's where defining our role becomes so important yeah. because then it defines which area he's then leading in and I'm which one I'm leading in. And we always want to, you know, have this space where we're able to speak into that and be counsel for each other. But ultimately at the end of the day, he has areas of leadership that he's He's the head point on, and then there are, are places in leadership where I'm the one making the final call. The resolving conflict, the mediation piece, how much of that is overseer, overseer and how much of that is team? It just happens so rarely that I can't give you a really great ratio. But we are in very constant communication, both with our overseers and our team. So in something like that would require that level, it's probably both, honestly. Like I'm looking from my local team perspective and wisdom from pastors that are out ahead of me. And so I want all wisdom. Like if it gets to the point where we're in disagreement, I need all the wisdom I can, can, I can get. You know what I'm saying? In the back. Uh, I'm just curious, how has, your, uh, how has your church responded to you guys co-leading together? Whether it's your staff that you meet with weekly or how has it impacted your church? So good. So good, Amy. Maybe the question for um, anybody listening on the podcast is how has our co-leadership impacted our church? And it has been incredible to see how many people are are really thankful for the fact that there is two voices. And that's something that draws them. That's a distinctive of our church. 
and the amount of young women that are excited about what it is that God might call them to. So I love all the young women in our church that are dreaming of the nonprofits that God has called them to start or um, the different things that maybe he is leading them into. So I think it's really stirred that up in them a lot, all of these young women. But I, I, I really think it does a lot for even our young men on showing them a model of preferring one another and honoring the gift yeah. of God in each other. Yeah. I think it puts an emphasis on marriage, even in our staff and our team, because it's not like we can just kind of let things kind of grow. They see our whole life because they know, they know if we show up and we're kind of like at odds with each other or whatever is going on. And so it puts an emphasis on we have to have healthy marriage in order to lead well together. Awesome. It's four o'clock. It's time to go. We hope you enjoyed this session from the Art Conference. Our heart is that you are more encouraged and excited about your calling than ever before. For dates and locations and to register for an upcoming Art Conference, visit artconference.com.